I'm going to light it up. I'm Tom Petty smoking a joint in universe B1453. And I'm Captain Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very nice. How was the Funko Pop store? It was cool. It was really busy. I was under the foolish impression that, you know, we had Cesar Chavez Day off and nobody has Cesar uh -huh. Chavez Day off except for like yeah. people who work for the UC system. So it's like, <laughs> oh, it's one of those days that like we'll be able to like squeeze under. And yeah. when we get there, there's like a line to get in all the way down the block. I, I, I found some pretty cool ones, though. I found a special edition of Dracula from Bram Stoker's Dracula, where he's Ooh, wearing nice. the full armor. And then That's I also cool. found a, a cool Donald Duck and uh, a Funko from uh, one of Junji Ito's manga. Of nice. A character <laughs> named Tomi, who has like a head growing out of her head. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly got a pri pride edition of Hello Kitty. Cause she liked the rainbow and then uh what did abigail get oh abigail got grumpy cat because she was grumpy <laughs> <laughs> grumpy cat r.i.p right grumpy cat is no more did grumpy cat die i think grumpy cat died i mean it makes sense because it has like a normal mortal lifespan right <laughs> exactly it's not like grumpy cat is like some like god that has existed here for thousands of years in different forms it's a manifestation of loki So speaking of comics, I have one 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 piece of comic knowledge I want to drop. Uh, so I, I sent you a picture. I did a little Lego di diorama of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sewer layer. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I posted it on the internet. And everybody was like, you need to put Daredevil in there. And I'm like, Daredevil's not part of the Turtles. So I went and looked it up. And apparently, so there's an accident where Daredevil gets hit by a car and bonked on the head. Uh -huh. And that's where he becomes blind. And... The thing he gets bonked on the head with is the mutagen canister, which then rolls into the sewer. Well, it knocks <laughs> the turtles out of a kid's hand, rolls into the sewer, and then causes the turtles and Splinter to become mutants. The the origin stories of the Ninja Turtles and Cat and uh, Daredevil are intrinsically linked. Now, is that an example of the Mandela effect, or is that an example of you having a hole in your knowledge of these intertwined science fiction stories? Well, that is that is the question, right? Because yes, I is. didn't know about it, and it is like entirely wild and crazy, and I can't believe I didn't know about mm -hmm. that. <laughs> Does it mean that it didn't exist until now? This is what we're going to go into today, for sure. I want to know, right off the bat, can you define the Mandela effect for us? So it was coined by a paranormal investigator named Fiona Broom, and she had a false memory of Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s. And having a big funeral and stuff. And of course, Nelson Mandela did not die in the 1980s. He got out of prison <laughs> and became president of South Africa, took some pictures with Barack Obama, uh, and died in 2013. <laughs> but it's gained momentum in recent years because as more and more people on the internet have come together, they find that they misremember things, but they misremember things in the same way. Mm -hmm. An example of this is the Berenstain Bears, and everybody remembers with Berenstain being spelled E-I-N at the end, when in reality it's spelled A-I-N at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's lots of people out there who absolutely are adamant that it was spelled E-I-N when they were younger. 
Now, my theory on this was that you just, you start to see it posted on social mm -hmm. media and mm -hmm. on the web that you start to believe because what you see on the screen has now yeah. implanted itself, right? And that's kind of like the simplest theory, but it goes a little deeper than that because not everything is about the way something is spelled. Mm -hmm. It can be sound or it can be a visual. And so we, we called a, a couple top examples here. One is is from Star Wars. Luke, I am your father is not actually <laughs> the phrase that... No, I am your father. Exactly. Darth Vader never says Luke. Well, not in that line. Not but... in that context, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, thinking back to Star Wars, because they went to all these pains to... So this isn't really Mandela effect, but they went to yeah. all these pains to hide Luke and Leia at the end of episode three. And Leia, I can see, right? She gets adopted and is raised with the name of the people who raised her, Organa. Yeah. But Luke keeps the last name Skywalker. I know. Like, <laughs> is that like a common enough name in the galaxy far, far away that no one's going to notice? It's like Smith. <laughs> so another example is the Monopoly guy. This is a good one. In fact, the Monopoly guy does not wear a monocle. Which, uh, if if you watch, and some people say this is evidence that he once wore a monocle. If you watch the second Ace Ventura movie, <laughs> there's a little bald man who walks down the stairs. And Ace Ventura is like the Monopoly guy. And the guy very prominently has a monocle. And then he picks him up and swings him around like a mink stole. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, like, was that just them misremembering or was that a manifestation of the monocle that wasn't scrubbed from the uh the from reality when the change was made mm. things to ponder so i have a couple of examples yeah so there is a movie called Shazam or sorry there was a movie called uh <laughs> so you already you already messed it up dave there is a movie called <laughs> Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> the great actor who I think also played basketball. And uh, people insist that in addition to a movie called Kazam, there was a movie called Shazam, starring Sinbad, the comedian. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, or maybe, maybe paradoxically, Sinbad never starred in a genie movie. However, to make fun of the theory, at, some, at one point later on, he did make a short where he played the genie Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> I mean, he was made to play a genie, though. If you think about it, like everything about him, his persona, his build, his oh, yeah. uh, stage presence, like he he should have been. In, <laughs> like that was a missed opportunity. Hollywood like totally whiffed on that one. So Pikachu, the Pokemon, one mm -hmm. of the most recognizable uh, characters in the world. More recognizable than Mickey Flippin' Mouse a while back. So more people in the world recognize Pikachu than Mickey Mouse. And people insist that Pikachu has black on his tail. And mm -hmm. honestly, that's the way I remember Pikachu as well. But Pikachu has a full white tail. Incredible. <laughs> then there is Tom Cruise in the movie Risky Business. Tell me, Neil, when Tom Cruise slides out and he's singing old-time rock and roll, what's he wearing? Is he wearing sunglasses? He's wearing a pair of, of dark black ray-bans that's what i remember too yep but you go back and you watch the scene and there are no sunglasses now the film poster let, let me i'm going to go to the internet now 
to just take a look because I feel like maybe it's a matter of the poster differing from the actual film. And this is why we remember it. Yeah, I mean that poster is so iconic, but he's not. It's not that scene. Yeah, I think I think it's just I think this is a case of just us taking two memories from this one film and kind of melding them together. Well, I have a theory that a lot of people like internally, they feel that you're never truly dressed without your sunglasses. And it made them uncomfortable that he wasn't wearing pants. Oh my God. I, and so I they mentally, person. they mentally inserted sunglasses so they didn't have to feel uncomfortable. And then the, uh, the last example that I want to bring up is fruit of the loom. Mm-hmm. So fruit of the loom has a lot of fruit in its logo. There are grapes. There's like an apple. But there's no banana, and people mm-hmm. insist there's a banana. They, they also think that there was a cornucopia holding the fruit, which I don't think cornucopias mm-hmm. were meant to hold fruit, but whatever. And to the point where there were, there are some fishing superstitions where you, it's believed bad luck to have a banana on your boat. <laughs> <laughs> and so there are stories of people wearing fruit of the loom when they go into a fishing boat and having the tags forcibly cut off because of the banana on the tag. Mm-hmm. But per the Fruit of the Loom Corporation, there has never been a banana on the logo. And I got to say, putting a banana on the logo would be a little bit on the nose for a pair hey man, of when you when you put on your fruit, <laughs> when you put on your Fruit of the Looms, boom, you got a banana in there. Well, I got to say, there is a banana in my Hanes today. Exactly. <laughs> banana on a boat phenomenon reminds me of um, cats being scared of cucumbers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is the same thing. Like, in addition to like internet videos of cats like jumping at cucumbers, there's internet videos of like sailors running from <laughs> running hey, from maybe, bananas. Maybe maybe you think it's like an electric eel that like got on board the boat <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, the sort of natural explanations for why this phenomenon could exist. And one that comes to mind is the is the multiverse theory. Yeah. So Brian Green, who's a physicist, he says that or one of the theories that he talks about. And he takes pains to say that he does not he does not believe in any theory until it's been proven. So, but he talks about the multiverse and how it consists of many universe brains, which are right next to each other, like bread slices and a super dimensional mm-hmm. loaf of cosmic bread. Or uh, it, it, maybe the multiverse is in disassociated bubbles. And mm-hmm. um, either way, the chance interaction of these universes could create convergences or new big bangs. But there could be copies of us in adjacent universes, one degree or many degrees removed from ourselves. So another theory, and I'm not quite sure how this ties into the Mandela effect, but it's often brought up in relation to it, is cyclic universities. Mm-hmm. So where the universe uh, goes through a period of a big, a big bang, then there's a big crunch, and mm-hmm. then it starts over again. So it's like mm-hmm. like a, a cycle where, and you know, the I think the thinking is that every time that happens the same things occur but just slightly different there's an episode of futurama where fry misses a date with leela because he gets into a time machine that can only go forward and they go too far and so in order to get him to make his date they go through the death and rebirth of the universe uh back to a point right before the date so you can get out We know that the universe is expanding and that other galaxies are moving away from us at an accelerating rate, but mm-hmm. we don't have any evidence yet that there's a crunch that yeah. sort of like comes next 
So this one to me seems le- less, uh, I- I'm less convinced by this one. Yeah, me too. Um, and then there's the simulation <laughs> theory, which I think is the the most realistic of all of these. So, and that, that really is typified by like the matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. in that, in that version of the events, the robots have locked all of humans into little pods so that we mm-hmm. can be batteries. And I, I just got a, I got a question. The amount of power that it takes to run a gigantic simulated universe mm-hmm. is that really less than the amount of uh, power generated by a human body? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> is there a, is there a net gain there? I don't I don't know. <laughs> so there are there are people that are researching this, right? There are people that are that are actively trying to create like simulated parts of our world, right? Mm-hmm. Simulated atoms, simulated molecules but part of the this theory the proof of it would be like if if humans are able to simulate a reality that's that's essentially proof of concept and it mm-hmm. drastically increases the odds that we are in, we are in fact already inside a simulation yes so that the very the very act of it being possible means that it's it's not that only it's likely. possible that it's likely yeah yeah so you you posted about nick bostrom who i think wrote a book in 2003 and kind of lays out the conditions for how sort of theoretically how this would be possible, right? Um, yeah, he he said there, there are three possibilities. One is that the fraction of human level civilizations that reach a, a stage where they could simulate universes is close to zero. Mm-hmm. The second one is that it's the fraction of human civilizations that are interested in running simulations are close to zero. Or the third one is the fraction of all people with our kind of experiences are living in a simulation or very close to one. And when mm-hmm. you think about that logically, it, it, I've really wrestled with this, but really they are the only three possibilities, even if it doesn't really seem that way at first. Think about the allegory of Plato's cave, right? Mm-hmm. So for those of you who might not be familiar with this allegory, I haven't heard it in a long time. It's the idea that there's a cave in which there are prisoners who are chained up and they're facing the wall of the cave. But through the opening of the cave, there's light pouring in from a campfire outside. And so these prisoners can see the shadows of people walking in front of this fire. And to them, that is the true reality of their existence. But in fact, Mm -hmm. that's not the true reality. It's just what they know. It literally is just a shadow of the true reality. Exactly. And I love like the the detail that Plato puts into this. You know, there's there's a certain, I think, gleeful detail in these these thought experiments. So when you think about Schrodinger's cat, it's not just, oh, there's a cat in a box. It could be alive or dead, right? Yeah. Schrodinger is like, there's a cat in a box. There's a trigger that is linked to a cesium atom. <laughs> he like engineers <laughs> this box. It's, it's linked to a cesium atom. And based on the decay of that atom, a, a cyanide gas could be released and the cat mm-hmm. could either have died or still be alive. <laughs> so, but this, get, this gets to the idea of superposition, right? That mm-hmm. that there there can be two states which are both true at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you think about this at a quantum level, right? Something can be a wave or a particle, right? And it, mm-hmm. it is what it is depending on the that time at which it is observed, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the simulation, right? Think about it like a video game. I, I read I read this description and it really like resonated with me. So you may think about a video game. What's, mm-hmm. on, on, what's being rendered is only what you need to see at that moment in time, right? And so you think about like, if we are in fact living within a simulation, maybe the details 
are determined at the point of rendering, right? Ah. Full reality is not always being rendered. We're only seeing <laughs> what we need to see at that point in time. And so when you think about the Mandela effect, maybe there are little tiny details that change depending on, you know, the context of our observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's just a superposition sort of thing. Maybe that's why there are things that could both be true, but we only see one of them when we need to. So uh, this it's sort of like the question, if a tree falls in a forest uh, and no one hears it, does it make a sound? And the answer uh, then would be, the tree doesn't exist if nobody was exactly there, right exactly <laughs> it was not rendered <laughs> it's just it's just some polygons off to the side of uh <laughs> the virtual screen <laughs> so max techmark he uh postulated four levels of the multiverse mm-hmm. and uh the first level is that the multiverse could be extensions of our universe mm-hmm. the same like sized hubble volume so essentially lots of versions of the universe with the same volume that have the same physics. Yeah. Uh, the second one is that there's many universes. Each one has its own physics and we just got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that asks the question, are our physical constants decided at random or mm-hmm. um, not? And the third one is there's the many, the many worlds prediction of quantum physics. And mm-hmm. um, the difference between one and three is that number three is where our doppelgangers could live. So think, Star Trek, and mm-hmm. you know, the other day you shaved and sent me a picture where you had a goatee, and I was like, I kind of jumped for a second. I'm like, oh shit, is that evil, Neil? And and like last week you sent me a picture where you had sh- like from years ago where you had shaved your goatee, and it was evil you. <laughs> it's like we had we had like converged on uh, our polar opposites. Which I I really like the idea of the Star Trek multiverse because when you go over to the multiverse, everybody's just like a little bit more evil. And a little bit more sexy, yeah. Like, they're, and, they're, and they're way more kinky. And I, I, you know, I told you I really want to see an, <laughs> uh, a whole series about that Star Trek, where it's like just the just the kinky, sexy, evil Star Trek. Now, maybe that watch... will be the Quentin Tarantino one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did do you watch Discovery? <laughs> I don't yet. I, I need okay. to because there's a season of that show that takes place like a lot of the season takes place in the multiverse. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So the last one on here is all universes are equally real. And it really, it's kind of a meta theory. So let's get into the artificial uh, tampering section of this, where we talk about some of the the more fun uh, science fiction theories here that might account for the Mandela effect. So tampering by by God or a God Mm -hmm. or by aliens or by my favorite, a secret cabal that is ruling the world. The glitterati. (laughs) And is the idea of tampering, is it comforting to know that there is a group keeping things on the rails? And mm-hmm. um, I mean, that that to me would be like a plausible explanation as to why we haven't annihilated ourself, ourselves mm-hmm. with nuclear weapons yet. I'm reminded of there's a movie called uh, Dark City starring Rufus Sewell. And I apologize to my friend Richard, who I told him that Ray Liotta was in this movie. <laughs> and he spent the whole movie wondering when Ray Liotta was going to come in, when in reality it was Rufus Sewell. <laughs> Mandela effect, you decide. Uh, <laughs> but in that movie, like a bunch of humans have been abducted by, you find out they've been abducted by aliens. And every night these aliens go in, pause things, rearrange them, and then 
start things back up and it's always night mm-hmm. now why they do this i don't think those is ever resolved i don't think that they ever really figure out the motive of the alien well spoiler alert i i think that they're trying to learn about our characteristics like what makes mm-hmm. us human because they they they're dying their race mm-hmm. is dying uh, and they need i i if i i haven't seen this movie in i mean this is movie was in the 90s i think right so yeah. i haven't seen it in 30 years um it's something like that but it's a cool movie yeah i watched the watch the theatrical cut don't watch the director's cut the theatrical okay. cut is way better <laughs> the snyder cut of dark city <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was back when like every movie got a theatrical cut where whether it needed it or not and where they just added in like 10 minutes of new footage even if it mm-hmm. uh, like messed up the movie They're like oh there's extra footage we can make some more money off this I feel like director's cuts used to also just have more nudity back in the day. Yeah. When it was like like... a little, a little more taboo to have nudity in movies and be like director's cut. Or at least that's (laughs) the way they teased it. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the version too hot for you to see in theaters. And then you'd have to wait like six months for it to come out. Yeah. You're like a 14 year old boy. You're like, okay, I got to wait for this to come out, find out how to go rent this on my own at Blockbuster and then you get home and you watch it and it's like super disappointing. Yeah, it's like you get two extra seconds of titties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Our director's cuts today, what are they're like it's like you get two more hours of like participating <laughs> in explosions. So I don't know I if it's any better. We remake the movie. Now the best example of the, the director's cut I can think of is Lord of the Rings, where they said, Okay, these movies are gonna be way too long if we do the cut we yeah. really want to do. So we're going to put out the theatrical cut, but for those those bros out there who really really dig the story, we're going to add in another forty minutes of footage, <laughs> so you can so you can wallow in Galadriel giving the gifts to the Fellowship, and just you know shower in that. So are we in a managed simulation, Dave? So like in the Matrix, it's involuntary, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know. And for all intents and purposes. You know, we are in the Matrix from birth until death and don't know we're in it unless we are Keanu Reeves. I haven't seen Aronofsky's Pie in a long time. Tell, Remind me what that movie is about. So it's this guy who's basically, he's trying to discover if there's a secret to understanding the universe. And so he has this computer and it, one day it spits out this 216 digit number, which supposedly is a representation of the name of God. And holds the secret to like understanding the stock market. And he goes and like he talks to this professor that he's close with who's older, who discovered the same number, but decided not to not to publish or tell anyone about it. And so it, it really like kind of comes back to like this mystical Kabbalah and like numerical theory where if you look at the Torah and turn all of the different Hebrew characters into numbers, then those numbers um, hold some sort of secret. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the movie, it becomes too much, so he self-lobotomizes and lives blissfully. I remember us watching this movie in John H.'s basement <laughs> in 1999. What's up, what's up, John H.? What's up, John H.? I hope he's still delivering pizzas out there somewhere. I hope not. I hope, because <laughs> I think he's getting his MBA. I hope he has like some <laughs> some C-level job at a business. I don't know, man. I, I like, I look at where I'm at sitting in front of a computer all day long. And I long for the days of delivering pizzas. Life was simpler then. I I'm like almost ready to apply at this brewery here 
called field work because they do beer delivery now in the pandemic. And like we had nice. beer delivered the other day and we were asking the guy, like, do you think you're going to stop this when the pandemic's over? And he was like, probably not. We're making too much money. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God, this sounds like, like the perfect job. You just deliver beer all day long and you don't have to have that pizza smell in your car. <laughs> that was really the worst part is that your car just smelled like pizza forever. It really was. Uh, and your clothes smelled like pizza. And it was just like, well, I remember I had, you know, like they had the catalog of clothes you could buy that were specially made for <laughs> yeah. like working in jobs like that. And I had the special shoes and I would tap them out after work and like this mesh of pizza funk would fall oh out God. of the tread of the shoe. Like dirt grease. Yeah. It's really it was like tar. Hard. So <laughs> gross. So the last one on this example of living in a managed simulation was uh, the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero. Did you see this? I did. Did you? Yeah. Which is, I thought was a great episode, but the idea is kind of like that there's a managed simulation and, and most of the participants are aware of it. Right. And they chose um, to be there. They chose to be there, which is interesting. Cause in a lot of ways it's kind of like, it's that escapism. If you have at a certain point, you know, you have these painful memories or you, you want to escape, you can, and you can just live in your idealized version forever, mm. which sounds kind of, kind <laughs> of awesome. You know, it would replace people seeking out drugs and alcohol. Well, and you get to live as like your young, sexy self forever. You don't yeah. have to get old and fat. Like, yeah, just be at the club all the time. Ser- I mean, literally, that's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great episode of Black Mirror, although I can't watch Black Mirror right now. Like, the world it's is too, too dark. Yeah. We're living yeah. in Black Mirror. Once things are like happy again, <laughs> I'll watch Black Mirror again. If they get happy again, Dave, if. <laughs> maybe we're maybe it's just all spiraling our our simulation is spiraling out of control so is the mandela effect caused by a quantum computer interference so there's actually a movie called the mandela effect that i watched this that i watched for mm-hmm. this did you watch it neil no i didn't you didn't really miss out on anything well you, you told me it sucked so i didn't watch it i was like i don't you already wasted those two hours i'm not gonna waste mine <laughs> <laughs> but in the movie there's they, the movie can't quite decide what the cause of the mandela effects are whether mm-hmm. it's a managed simulation that's actively trying to like uh modify things or whether it's a quantum computer and the very fact of the quantum computer is causing changes in reality mm-hmm. um and then for some reason at the end of the movie to resolve the paradox it creates it fast forward through the end of the universe and then back through the beginning so going back mm-hmm. to the uh uh the cyclical theory we talked about mm-hmm. and changes one thing and so this guy never starts to question the nature of the universe and mm-hmm. things are hunky dory i mean that kind of gets into the quantum leap sort of idea right yeah so mm-hmm. like is the Mandela effect are they failed quantum leaps? Yeah. Maybe. Scott Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula's at it again. And he's 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 messing shit up. Yeah. Stop it, Bakula. Just like <laughs> just you gotta get better at this, man. Yeah. You've had you've had 30 years to perfect the leaping and you just you still haven't gotten it. <laughs> so we got lots of lots of time travel side effect movies though from Quantum Leap on. We got Back to the Future, Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, so like we were, we've been watching Back to the Future as a family. We just finished Back mm-hmm. to the Future too, but at one point in Back to the Future, he uh, when he goes back to the farm, he hits a tree, and there's like two pine trees. And before mm-hmm. he went back, he was at Twin Pines Mall, and when he comes comes back at the end of the movie, he is at Lone Pine Mall, 
Ooh. That's just the type of subtle change that will drive people crazy. Look at those writers trying to be all clever and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit that I've never watched Doctor Who. It's a really hard show to get into, but it's rewarding if you do. I know that the guy who plays Prince Philip in the first two seasons of The Crown was one of the doctors. One of my favorite doctors. I kind of hate him because of that show. He's <laughs> such a smarmy asshole, so I kind of don't want to watch it. <laughs> well, I love that like the doctor has like these god-level powers, but he's really bad at using them. Mm -hmm. So in one at the beginning of one of the seasons, he appears to this this young girl and he's like I'll be, but he's like, I'll be right back. So he gets back in his TARDIS and he means to come back like just a couple minutes later. Well, he comes back and it's been like 10 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, this event has been built up in her, built up in her mind and she's been waiting for him all this time <laughs> to come back. And it ends up that she ends up becoming his companion, uh, like one of his, his buds that he does time travel with. But like, he's, he's, it's just really slapdash. Like, his TARDIS doesn't really work very well. So he, you know, he might arrive six months after when he intends to arrive. <laughs> I like it because that, that kind of reflects the messiness of actual life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So accidental timelines. Uh, I know you haven't seen the show Dark, so I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but it, it's actually an insane show that is <laughs> takes a while to understand. So do, do you recommend Dark? I do. Do you like listening to people speak seriously in German and have very, very dense plot contrivances? One of my favorite also, movies is Das Boat. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do, do you like having all the different, basically all the different science fictions lumped into one? Then you will <laughs> like Dark. <laughs> I got to say, this sounds awesome. I'm going to start watching that tonight. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's in German, right? It is in German, yeah. So there, there's one there's one theory which I've always kind of liked, even though I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Which mm -hmm. is the that the, the in addition to each of our individual consciousnesses, that there's a collective consciousness, mm -hmm. and sometimes this collective consciousness can change its mind mm -hmm. or change the way it remembers things, and then mm -hmm. that in turn affects the individual consciousnesses. Mm -hmm. And Carl Jung, the mm -hmm. famous psychoanalyst, he postulated a lot of things about this. Mm -hmm. But I like the, I, I feel like there are things that mysteriously start happening at the same time in different parts of the world, like new diseases or new ideas. And it's almost like the collective consciousness gets to the point where it realizes something and then it starts manifesting in different parts of the mm -hmm. world. It's the hive mind. Yes. Well, and then there's the, I think the last theory of artificial tampering, which is mm -hmm. maybe it's just men in black effing with us. Will Smith. <laughs> They're using their uh, memory memory sticks. Now, I, I got to say, I was really disappointed by Men in Black. Like, in concept, it's good. But, like, I didn't like the silliness of it. I wanted to see mm -hmm. some, like, hardcore Men in Black action where they were actually mm -hmm. doing some shit. Well, maybe there'll be a gritty remake. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Starring Jaden Smith. Uh, Zack Snyder is probably looking <laughs> for a new project. <laughs> <laughs> And you know that no original ideas get made in Hollywood anymore, right? So why not reboot? They just did. What, who was in the last Men in Black? It was um, Josh uh, Brolin. And then the the well, no, there was one with like Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
They're like men in black is the international. Most one. one of yeah. them is Australian and the other one is black. And so <laughs> it's a different men in black. <laughs> in in reality, I'm gonna say the most likely uh I'm gonna say the most likely re- reason we have Mandela effects are because of faulty memory. Definitely. I mean, memory sucks and the power of suggestion is strong. Mm-hmm. So one of the the ones that cited for Mandela effect is radar. People remember radar from MASH dying. And my wife, who is a MASH encyclopedia, she's a <laughs> huge MASH fan, informed me that no, radar did not die. Radar left and uh, Henry Blake left and Henry Blake left, died when he left. But radar never died. I mean, I could tell you, I like, I could tell you something like we, if we, we have a many shared interests, right. But I could tell you a stat about a baseball player and I could totally make it up and you would, you would implicitly trust me. Right. Yeah. And so I'm implanting this memory in your brain and maybe that is the start of a Mandela effect for well, you. Well, now right? I'm so not going to believe you. Now you can't believe anything <laughs> I say to you. Although you, ruined, do, you do have good, good knowledge of baseball stats. So I've just ruined our entire relationship. <laughs> I've now planted distrust in your mind. <laughs> Are you so just asking, messing with me? Are you like, yeah, <laughs> this is a Dave centered universe and you're, you're planted <laughs> just to like mess with my mind. The Dave verse. So in the movie rush, so that gets to the Rashomon effect in the movie Rashomon. Uh, there is a ostensibly a samurai shows up and there's a noble and his wife. that are traveling through the forest. A samurai shows up. Kills the noble, rapes the wife. But everybody who witnessed it has a different version of the story. And in some versions of the story, the noble is the villain. Some versions of the story, the samurai is the villain. Some versions Mm -hmm. of the story, the noble's wife is the villain. And each version is very different from the last. And at the end of the movie, you're kind of left wondering what actually happened. because Witness testimony is quite fallible, basically. Yes. Now, I've been jury foreman in two different trials. And I can say witnesses are inherently frustrating and not because they're lying or trying to, well, sometimes because they're lying, (laughs) but really just like someone trying to remember something that happened months ago, that Mm -hmm. memory is not going to be reliable. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really difficult. And then on top of that, there are the reasons for people to lie. Like in one Mm -hmm. of the trials I was on, it was about this guy who had uh, beat up his family and, by the time he got to trial, the the girlfriend was refusing to acknowledge that he beat beat them. And so you had all these people that saw it happen and saw the mm-hmm. infect of it happening, but the actual victim would not acknowledge it. And so it was really hard to come to a verdict. And I think it comes down to Occam's razor, right? Mm-hmm. The simplest explanation for the Mandela effect really is just that people are misremembering things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the internet makes it easy to kind of network those misremembered things. Mm-hmm. Occam's razor is just good to remember in, in basically any circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. It, I, to me, it's like a guiding theory of life, right? Usually mm-hmm. the simplest thing is the truest thing. And we can invent all sort of like QAnon, right? Yeah. Like let's, let's invent this cra- crazy plot to like explain our worldview and all of these things have the crazy things have to be true for this whole house of cards to exist. And it's like, come on, people, just you can just you can just be hateful on your own. Like you don't have to invent a whole reason to be hateful. 
I don't remember the guy. <laughs> yeah, just 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 to hate. You don't need a crazy. Yeah, just hate it. liberals. You can just hate liberals. You can be like that Southwest pilot that just hates liberals. <laughs> you don't have to hate them because they they run a secret pedophile cabal. So there's that guy who burst into the the pizza place at the center of Pizza Gate, and there was the closet that supposedly was an entrance to the place where they held all the like <laughs> yeah. sex slaves or babies that they ate or something. And he burst in with his gun and made him unlock the closet and opened it up and it was just a closet. And I would have yeah. paid money to see the look on his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of a lot of paper towel rolls. It's really boring. Yeah, some cleaning products. Yeah. Like maybe a, a used condom in the corner. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now you listed a bunch of uh new Mandela effects and oh yeah, some of these I don't think are Mandela effects, but they're still funny. Yeah. So I have distinct memory of hearing that Guy Pierce died like four years ago. No, <laughs> he's, my wife he's alive and well. Yeah, my wife, <laughs> my my wife Brahman insists that yeah, he he did not die and is in fact still starring in movies. Um, but I really have like a strong memory of reading about his life in an obituary. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there's David Bowie. Is David Bowie a set of interdimensional travelers? Oh, definitely. And if so, why did they leave us? We need more David Bowie. Don't worry. Well, he'll come back. Tom Petty's also coming back. <laughs> he, he needs to come back in time for the post-apocalypse so he can he can talk to Kevin Costner's post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, were they intended to be the same person and somebody messed up? If you Could you tell them apart in a lineup? Uh, you know, I could, I think, because despite the fact that their names sound similar, they're actually nothing alike, but <laughs> is there a Dylan Mulroney or a, <laughs> or a Dermot McDermott? <laughs> I like that. I, Dermot McDermott. <laughs> so here's one. So in a past podcast, I cited Donald Trump's golden toilet. And in reality, Donald Trump did not have a golden toilet. He went and requested a Van Gogh painting from a museum. And they said no, because he wanted to display it as it is at Mar-a-Lago or something. They said no, but instead offered him the use of a golden toilet that was in their art, art archives. He did have a golden plate, gold plated airplane, but he did not have a golden toilet. So I was, I was wrong when I listed this before. The thing is he is a golden toilet. And that's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it is like he's a toilet and he's supposedly rich. So there you go. <laughs> so simple. Uh, planet of the meat rats. <laughs> way, way back when, when we uh, started the in the, the initial version of Planet of the Meerkats, there was someone who always misremembered it as Planet of the Meat rats. Maybe they came from a different dimension where that's what it exactly. was. Exactly. Who was that that thought that? That was Michelle Moses. What's up, Michelle? That's right. That's right. If you're, if you're listening, how you doing? Hackers. hackers being a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> there are many people, including your brother Curtis, who insist that Hackers is a good movie. Hackers did is he... not a good movie. When did he tell you that? Uh, last time I like saw him in person, so it's probably like a year or two ago. Like he was really into Hackers, and I was like, "Dude, Hackers is terrible." And uh, he was telling me all these reasons why it was awesome, and it's not. So Marcy Playground. And I remember it as Marcy's Playground, which actually makes grammatical sense. Mm. Unless they were talking about a person named Marcy Playground. 
And I actually you... Googled Marcy, or I, I went into Google Maps and tried to find if there was like a Marcy's playground that they were named after, mm-hmm. and I didn't, nothing came up. Yeah. So I, not, I, that's not definitive proof or anything, but I postulate that uh, at some point in the past they removed the apostrophe s just to mess mm-hmm. with me. Because again, Probably. we're living in a Dave centered Dave centered universe. <laughs> Dude, no, um, I distinctly remember that. Like, I I remember that song coming out, uh, Sex, Sex and, and Candy. Candy, and it's it was Marcy play. I remember listening to it on Quad One Hundred Six Point Five. That's like peak nineties, right there. It was totally peak nineties. I got for some reason this this week I got really into I think it's because I watched Captain Marvel and, and they have so much 90s music in it, but I started listening to Garbage. And nice. I just basically listened to Only Happy When It Rains on repeat. Talk about <laughs> peak 90s. That song is that song is so 90s, but it's also awesome. I just was like, I gotta listen to this over and over and over again. So the lead singer, Shirley Manson, is that her yeah. real name or is that like a stage name? I think that's her real name. Okay. Um so Here's one. So the 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 Virgin Mary, right? A central tenet mm-hmm. of, of Christianity that mm-hmm. Christ was born to a virgin. But when you go back and you look at the original scriptures where the prophecy in the Old Testament was, mm-hmm. the word for virgin actually means young woman. And so did they adapt what happened because i mean i think a lot a lot of the way the the new testament is written is to make it conform to the old testament prophecies so they did they adapt um what happened or was there really a virgin birth or mm-hmm. is it the mandela effect the bible is the ultimate mandela effect though yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on think about all the things now that we are told that are like central tenets of christianity that are in the bible and yeah. it's like it's all interpretation so the you know going back to the testability, I think the most damning argument against the Mandela effect is that it isn't testable since it's based on subjective experience of reality, at least not in a, not in a way that I can conceive. Maybe some genius will figure out a way to test it. All right. So this is the end of season one of Planet of the Meerkats. Congratulations. If you've been listening we made to it. it all. 20 episodes. So next season, I think we're going to take like a week break and next mm-hmm. season we're going to, try things a little differently. We're going to have an overarching theme and we're going to talk about the future. Yes. And not just like speculating on the future. It's not all about science fiction. We're going to try to like realistically break down, you know, how things might, it might change, how they might stay the same, how things are going to evolve and kind of what our lives might look like yes. in the future. I've been Captain Kirk Cameron. And I am Tom Pecky. Tom Petty. And I just... <laughs> And I am Tom Petty, smoking a joint in universe B1453. And this has been Planet of the Meat Rats. Planet of the Meerkats is produced by Neil Fries and David Garrison. And our theme music is by Tawny Frogmouth.